Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. It is the anniversary of D-Day, and it, it really is a true gift that we still have veterans around who can share their experiences with us firsthand. The numbers are dwindling. There's not as many of these guys with us. And um, the fact that we're able to still hear their voices, tell their stories, is something pretty special. And this is really cool. There's a guy named Jim Radford. He was a member of the British Royal Navy back in 1944, only 15 years old. He was the galley boy on one of the ships headed towards uh, the beaches of Normandy. He was the youngest known D-Day veteran. And he has the number one song on Amazon's singles chart right now in the UK, ahead of Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. He's written a song about his experiences. Here he is on British television talking about what it was like for him on D-Day. Well, imagine a, a, a war film and a horror film combined on a very large scale. It's a bit like that. It was a... Uh, I remember. I remember thinking at the time. Uh, I'd seen war films, and everyone had. And I thought, well, that's similar, but it's much larger, and it's the most tremendous bombardment you ever you could imagine. You, you, you know, you're in a very dangerous situation, mm. but uh, there's a lot of adrenaline, mm. you, and you focus on what you have to do. This is after the news about your your elder brother as well. Your brother, you'd lost your brother when his ship was tore. Uh, Torpedoed in, in, was it? Uh, Jack was, he was 18, was Jack it? Jack was eight, a few days after he, he was the youngest radio officer in the Merchant Navy. He'd qualified at 17. Right. Unheard of. And uh, a second class radio officer, and his first trip as a radio officer, he was torpedoed. Like, you can't even imagine oh. dealing with that loss. Going through that yourself, seeing what you had to see that day. And um, Jim Radford has put that. Uh, to music here. Get the tissues ready. This is uh, the number one song in the UK right now on the anniversary of D-Day. It's on FM 96. It's called The Shores of Normandy. In the cold gray light of the 6th of June in the year of 44 The Empire Arch sailed out from Poe To join with thousands more The largest fleet the world had seen We sailed in close array And we set our course for Normandy at the dawning of the day There was not one man In all our crew But knew what lay in store For we had waited for that day Through five long years of war We knew that many would not return But all our hearts were true for we were bound for Normandy Where we had a job to do Now the Empire Arch was a deep sea tub 
with a crew of 33 And I was just the galley boy On my first trip to sea I little thought when I left home Of the dreadful sights I'd see But I came to manhood on the day that I first saw Normandy At Aramanche Off the beach of gold Neath the rocket's deadly glare We towed our block ships into place And we built a harbour there Mid shot and shell we built it well As history does agree while brave men died in the swirling tide on the shores of Normandy. For every hero's name that's known, a thousand died as well. On stakes and wires their bodies hung, rocked in the ocean swell. And many a mother wept that day. The sons they love so well Men who cracked a joke And catch the smoke As they stormed the gates of hell As the years pass by I can still recall The men I saw that day Who died upon that blood-soaked sand where now sweet children play And those of you who were unborn Who've lived in liberty Remember those who made it so On the shores of Normandy What a song. Jim Radford, The Shores of Normandy. He was 15 years old, June 6, 1944, on D-Day. He was there. The, the line that gets me is the one they were cracking jokes and and having the smokes like these were these were kids do mm-hmm. you know these it's easy to forget you watch the movies and it's easy for that disconnect to happen but these were young men from all over the world doing this, fighting for the freedom that we sometimes take for granted now. They were young men from right here in London, Ontario, who were on those beaches that day. And there's just lots of stories of guys who, you know, fudge their way just to get in there because they wanted to be there to, you know, defend yeah. Canada, defend, you know, the free they volunteered. world. They so volunteered got, to do this. Guys about who, their age. Guys who couldn't swim, who got on boats, guys who did everything just to get there and then serve their country and it's um something we'll never forget very humbling we've posted jim radford's video to that song on the taz show blog at fm96.com and if you can download it uh, all proceeds from the song are going to build a wonderful memorial uh, for those who were lost in d-day thank you jim and thanks to everybody who fought for our freedoms, June 6, 1944.
Lowry, three-pointer. Another for Kyle Lowry, his fourth three-pointer of the game. Leonard for three. Knocks it down. Eighth three-pointer of the game for Toronto. Leonard pushing the pace, kicks it out to Danny Green. Pucks it in, Danny Green from downtown. Back-to-back -back threes. Another big road win for Toronto. They had a big win in Philadelphia in the conference semis, a big win in Milwaukee in the conference finals. And they win at Oracle Arena. Raptors dominant last night, Deb. Final score was? 123-109 for the Raptors. Uh, they led pretty much the entire game. There was a little bit of back and forth in the first quarter. But then Toronto turned it on, and they led from there on out. And it was a game, really, it was like kind of weird for a game three. It's like a must win. But when you have an opportunity to present itself where you have no Clay Thompson and no Kevin Durant, you've got the Warriors injured left and right. You have got to take advantage. And to the Raptors' credit, they did. How injured are those guys? Uh, well, Clay Thompson is expected to play in game four. Kevin Durant, it's anyone's guess. He is apparently going to be doing some three-on-three -three scrimmages with other Warriors players and coaches today. So it sounds as though he's inching towards a return, but it's it's unknown. And even if he were to come back, it's still being, he's been off for a month, so you've got to expect he's not going to be 100%. Golden State Warriors seem to be still uh, mentally in this series. Yeah, Steph Curry, first off, was like a dominant uh, player last night. 47 points. He almost pretty much kept the Warriors in this game yeah. against insurmountable odds. Wow. But also, Draymond Green, who is a pretty uh, outspoken guy, was uh, talking after the game about he, he how he's still confident they're going to come back, and he's even predicting they're going to win this game in six, the series in six games, which means they would have to win the next three games of the series. I think Boga played great. Uh, in his minutes, um, you know, but, you know, obviously Loon has been great for us all year. So, you know, not having him out there definitely makes a difference. Um, you know, not having anyone uh, makes a difference because everyone, you know, when you assemble the team, everyone brings something different. So, you know, but no one, you know, no one cared that guys are hurt. Everybody wants to see us lose. <laughs> so I'm sure people are happy they're hurt. We just got to continue to battle. And win the next game, go back to Toronto, win game five, come back to Oracle, win game six, and then celebrate. Fun times ahead. <laughs> I love I love the contrast of what he's saying and how laid back he sounds when he's saying it, huh? Uh, well, you know, it, he's got a plan there. That's why they've made five straight uh, NBA finals. They have that confidence and they have the talent to back it up. Jimmy Kimmel did a uh, segment on his show. He sent his cousin Sal to talk to Raptors fans and to try and get them to chirp the Golden State Warriors. This is how it went down. We're talking to Canadians and asking them to trash talk the Warriors. Are you ready? Trash talk. No. <laughs> you don't do that here. Trash talk. I would not do that against anybody. Canadians don't do that. Let me hear you trash talk the Warriors a little bit. Trash talk. No, 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 no. We are polite. We are Canadians. I mean, they're a great team. I don't think I can trash talk them. I think they're in the finals for a reason. Why would I trash talk them? They haven't done nothing wrong to me or my team. All I'm saying is everybody's playing right. So if they want to win, they better play better than us. That's all I can say. Oh, no, you did it. I feel like if they talked to a few of my friends, there would a lot have been a lot of trash talking going on. Yeah, they were yeah. talking to him before the game. If they talked to him after a couple of cold molsons. <laughs>
then they may have a different opinion. That's a great chirp, though. They better play good if they want to win. <laughs> they better step up to the plate. But even the Golden State Warriors players are saying that the Canadians have been pretty classy and polite through this series so far. Uh, yeah, this is Clay Thompson here. Into a basketball. I thought now, Canadians so. were supposed to be nice. They were heckling you outside your hotel. I mean, it was the nicest heckle ever. It was just like a boo. <laughs> I hope you have a terrible day. It wasn't no cuss words. Nothing, wasn't anything so like I that. I appreciate that. I appreciate the respect. Thank you, Canada. <laughs> They're inside his hotel. Clay Thompson, boo, have a terrible day, eh? <laughs> I hope you have a terrible day, Clay Thompson, and a great tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a ride to the arena? <laughs> I can't lie. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Who do you trust? Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey! <laughs> it does I feel like I should be at a Russian wedding right now <laughs> hey, in the 80s. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> it's the 35th anniversary today of the video game Tetris. First playable version was finished June 6, 1984. Nintendo version came out five years later. One of the biggest video games of all time. Honestly, is there a better game than Tetris? A better video game? Well, other than Red Dead Redemption 2. But like when it comes to like, you know what I mean? When it comes to video games that can transcend age, race, country, gender, everyone can play Tetris Tetris, for sure. Matt is our contestant this morning. Good morning, Matt. Matt, you there? Yeah, I'm here. You recognize that song? You ever play Tetris? Oh yeah, many times, many times. Good. Uh, Each of us have a fact about the video game. One of us is telling the truth. You guess who it is, and you're going to be a winner. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'll start this morning. Tetris, the name of the game, comes from the Greek word tetra, which means four. And the, the guy who invented Tetris was a big fan of tennis. So he combined the two words, tetra, meaning four, and tennis, to make Tetris. But what does the number four have to do with Tetris? Four, because it's all the little blocks, right? <laughs> oh, I guess a square. Yeah. All, they're all they're made all up made individual up squares. Little blocks. Fair enough. Tetra. Okay. Tetris. You like tennis? <laughs> sure. sure. I can see you both. Uh, Devin Peacock, what is your fact about Tetris? Well, it's an addictive game. It's a global game and a uh, game for all ages. When it first came out, it was so popular in Russia that vodka consumption plummeted, dropped 38%. And there was a huge uh, crisis in Russia just because everyone was playing Tetris, no one was drinking vodka. So that was a crisis? Or was it a solution? (laughs) Well, it's a crisis for a lot of (laughs) vodka makers. (laughs) (laughs) So vodka consumption because of Tetris dropped in Russia. Interesting. Mm. What is your fact, Jim Kelly? This is the truth here about Tetris. We all know the classic shapes. You got the straight line, you got the big block, you got Uh the squigglies that go in alternate orders. The L, classic L. There was one other one that was in the early stages of Tetris that never made it to the final game, and it was the cross. So it'd be like three, or I guess four up. On the third block, two would come out on either side to make a, a classic cross. But uh, it got stopped during the beta development of the stage because the uppity Christian community said, nah, we don't want that in the video game. Because at one point, it even 
flips upside down oh, the cross. Yeah, because you so can it spin looked like it the time. Around. It looks that's the sign of Satan, right? And so upside down cross. Yeah. So you know, Tipper Gore and her friends back in the '80s made a big stink about it, and uh, they removed they the removed cross the cross from the game, game completely. Interesting. Matt, who do you trust? Is it myself? The uh, name of the game comes from the developer's love of te- tennis. Is it Devin Peacock? With the vodka consumption went down in Russia because everyone loved the video game, or is it Jim Kelly? With uh, his fact about the cross being removed from the game. Uh, I'm going to go with Taz. Hey! Yeah. Wow! You saw through the BS, and you are right. Tetris gets his name because uh, the Greek word for four, and the guy who made it loved tennis. How, how iconic that's become over the stupidest reason. <laughs> Some other interesting Tetris facts. The Game Boy version was the first video game ever played in space by an astronaut back huh. in 1993. Uh, the theme song that we were just listening to actually has lyrics. It's a Russian folk tune about a peddler who seduces a young peasant girl. Sounds Could like be. a real party jam. <laughs> <laughs> The early computer version of Tetris in 1987, this is fun, had a button called the boss button. And if you panicked, like if your boss was walking by your computer while you're playing Tetris, you'd hit this button and a random looking spreadsheet would come up on your computer so it looked like you're doing work. Facebook should have a boss button. (laughs) Absolutely. That's genius. Matt, you nailed it. And because of that, you have won some tickets to go see some concerts in Grand Band. Zed, tribute to Led Zeppelin. And Platinum Blonde. All yours, man. Congrats. I want to see you peacock. It's time for sports. We've been talking Toronto Raptors on the show all morning. There's a couple other sports stories that we, we've got to get to. Um, Joe DiMaggio's penis is the bigger story, so we'll <laughs> save that one. We'll save that one for, for last. Why don't we start with the Canadian Open, Devin Peacock? Yeah, well, speaking of clubs, uh, the uh, Canadian <laughs> Open uh, starts today. Uh, 26 Canadians in the field. It's in Hamilton this year. And uh, Brooks Kepka. Speaking of the hammer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, who's the defending champion, and Rory McIlroy are three of the favorites to win, although all three have admitted they haven't played the full course. So they're kind of going into this blind, which you would think could leave some guys who've played it before a little bit of an advantage. One of the guys who's played it before a number of times, but most recently was a couple weeks ago, was Corey Connors. Yes. And uh, I, I think he, this kind of course plays to his strengths. I think he can do well. I'm going to pick him to win it. That'd nice. be great. First, no, no Canadian's done it since 1954, so the pressure kind of builds. It's crazy. But I'm going to pick uh, Corey to win it. Okay, moving on here. Pete Rose, a baseball, disgraced baseball legend, Pete Rose, uh, was in Vietnam with Joe DiMaggio, and he was on a sports show earlier this week talking about uh, one time where he caught a glimpse of Joe's legendary bat. We're down in, as you may not know, South Vietnam is a jungle. So the only way you could take a shower there is a guy had to get up, get up on a chair, me, have a bucket of water, pour it into this canvas pour thing, head. pull the chain, and the guy underneath took a shower. I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. Now, the best way to describe Joe DiMaggio is he was a penis with a man hanging from it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> you know, you know, it must have been big because there was no manscaping back then. Uh, he probably had four or five inches of hair down there. <laughs> so to escape from the jungle, right. you gotta be packing. <laughs> Absolutely, oh. that is uh, that's that's something else. From coast to coast, that's all you'll hear of Joe, the one-man show. He's a one-man He's show. He's glorified the horse had fear. Horse Joe what? and Joe, the <laughs> magic. He's got a horse up there. Joe, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Oh, there you are, behind your penis. <laughs> <laughs> there are no folk songs about athletes anymore, is there? I bet Drake will write one about Kawhi Leonard if they win, though. Yeah. Do you think Drake is giving Kawhi Leonard showers after the game? Boy, would he Have love to. Have a bucket to. of water poured into this canvas Pour thing. Head. Pull the chain, and the guy underneath took a shower. I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. <laughs> now, the best way to describe Joe DiMaggio... Is he was a penis with a man hanging from it. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone ever described me uh, in that way, I would put that on my tombstone for sure. (laughs) Best eulogy ever. They had to bury him seven feet under. (laughs) That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or FM 96.com.